Blog Talk Radio. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. This is the Product Purpose Kingdom Network, and this is the show, Self-Expressions, and I'm your host, Brother Robert Pop Pop Hudson. Welcome, everybody, whether you're calling us online or you're listening to us via the Internet. We uh, thank you so much, and we appreciate you for joining us for tonight, which is episode 1,294. And uh, we just thank you so much and appreciate your listenership and your support for us here at Purpose Kingdom Network. And tonight, I'm going to go into the topic, the reason why, and it's going to be uh, covering Malachi chapter 2. Uh, mainly we're going to be going through the verses of chapter 11 through 17. And before we do so, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and open up in prayer. Father God, we humbly open ourselves to you. We pray with us, ourselves and our brothers and sisters, and that we hope that you keep us in safety, in danger as well as those around us and near us. Father God, we just thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to spread your gospel tonight. We thank you, and we really, really love serving you, and we just thank you so much. Amen. So with that being said, we just want to go ahead and get to our topic. Uh, now, I know that, you know, in the COVID you know, this COVID era that we're living in, you know, there's been, you know, uh, closeness that we, we have that we normally don't have as far as families. But there's, you know, an, you know, an all-out attack on the family. You know, we have, uh, you know, basically when we have nothing to do and we're together, you know, the devil tries to find things to tear us apart. You know, you, any little thing that he can. You know, and while we're together, you know, we figure that, you know, we have a better chance of fighting the devil, but the only thing he needs is to find is a little crack, uh, just just a little, just a little crack, just something small, until, so you know, he makes it, you know, uh, something big. Uh, one of the fun things I, I find, you know, that when, you know, I'm together with my family, and uh, they uh, always have, you know, they ask me to, you know, uh, just tell them, uh, you know, one of the stories I told them is that when they were children, I've told so many, but, you know, the second most requested, the first one is, none of you know, a story I have called None of Your Business, uh, but, you know, that's not the one that they, uh, you know, they request that a lot, but they request something called Purple Beans and Rice. And it's something that, you know, it's one of those kinds of jokes that it gets me to, you know, to think and I'll go ahead and I'll tell the story real quick. So the story of purple beans and rice, you know, it starts in the classroom. <clears throat> There's a little boy, and he sees a group of kids talking, and they're trying not to be heard, and he's just trying to squeeze himself, you know, closer and closer, squirm his way over so he can get, you know, an idea of what they're talking about. And the more he tries to get there, the more... You know, they're whispering lower and lower until the teacher comes in and says, everybody to your seats. And she says, Dooley, what are you doing? And he says, I was trying to hear what they were saying. 
And she says, what were they saying? He says, hey, I couldn't make anything out. Anything I know of, they said something about purple beans and rice. So she looks at him and says, you know what? I'm not going to allow that in this classroom. Get out of here. Go to the principal's office. So he goes to the principal's office, and um, he sits there, and then finally the principal comes in and says, hey, Billy, what are you doing here? He says, I'm surprised to see you here. He said, the teacher sent me here. He says, why would the teacher send you here? He said, I don't know. He said, the only thing I said was purple beans and rice. So all of a sudden, the principal says, hey, Billy, you're no longer, no longer welcome in the school. So he goes and stands outside the school and puts parents to pick him up. He comes home and, you know, finally his parents ask him, hey, Billy, why were you outside the school? He said, I got put out. He said, you got put out the school. We're, we're going to go back and we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, find out what's going on. He said, well, I'll tell you what's going on. I get in trouble every time I say purple beans and rice. Well, well, you know, his parents turn around and says, hey, Billy, get out the house. You're no longer welcome here. So as he's wandering around the street to near the city, finally sees him and says, hey, little boy, what's your name? He says, my name is Billy. He says, come on with me. He says, we'll find your parents. He says, I have parents. They just put me out. And he's like, wow, the nerve of them. He says, why would they put you out, a sweet little kid like you? And he says, I don't know. The only thing I said was purple beans and rice. And the mayor looks at him and says, hey, you know what? You have to get out of this city now. Goodbye. So he takes his plea to the United States of America. And the president's there, and the president says, hey, what's wrong, son? How can I help you? He says, I can't go anywhere. I get kicked out of everywhere. He said, the only thing I said is purple beans and rice. So finally, the president looks at him and says, you know what, son? I'm giving you the first plane out of this country. You're no longer welcome in the United States. So he flies him off to France, and he's in France, and he just leaves his life out. He finally gets married, and as uh, he his married life in, his, life in a new country, his wife turns around and says, honey, I'm cooking dinner. And she says, okay. And he says, well, what happened? She says, well, I was going to have purple beans and rice, but we're a lot of them. Maybe you can get some for the neighbors. And he says, wow, you know what? Good idea. He says, I get a finally chance to see these purple beans and rice. And he starts out the house. And he runs across the street, gets hit by a car, and gets killed. And the moral of the story is, look both ways before you cross the street. And that's, you know, um, the end of the purple beans and rice story. But um, my children uh, find it fascinating and funny and amusing. And uh, so I shared that with you all tonight to, you know, just let us know. And even though there is a moral to that story where, you know, eventually, you know, you have to look both ways across the street. And it was done in a roundabout way. Uh, that's how a lot of lessons are, are learned through the Bible. So we're going to go ahead and, uh, you know, um, as I was talking uh, about the, you know, purple beans and rice, but I'm going to explain, you know, something about uh, marriage. And, you know, when I was reading these scriptures, there was something that was like, like, like ultimately like shocked me and I was surprised because it's something that, you know, you I, I normally don't read or I normally don't, you know, see as far as, you know, how God speaks. And the one thing about the, the book of Malachi is he's a, he's a prophet. 
and he's also the, this is the last book in the, the Old Testament. And between times, between the Old Testament and New Testament is 400 years. And so I was wondering what silenced God for 400 years? Why did he chose not to speak? And what was his last words that he was speaking? And so we're going to go into um, to the book of Malachi, and we're going to just go ahead and find out. <clears throat> you know, Malachi, um, basically he's a, he's a prophet. And, you know, he, he's a prophet that God spoke to often. And it was just to remind him and the state, you know, the, the state of Israel and the children of Israel that where, you know, his word stood and what he expected of the people of God, the children of God. You know, God decided, you know, to say nothing because of a reason. And, and, and I'm, I just want to get into that, you know. So we're going to go into Malachi chapter 2, verses 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, and what you have, we, we wearied. You wearied him. And that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. And he delights in them, he delights in them, or, you know, where is the God of justice? So uh, I was, for for one, um, I just had to break that verse down because, you know, what could weary the Lord? You know, and I've talked to, you know, so many ordinary people, regular people, reverend pastors, ministers, and, you know, they're only people. And they get tired of, you know, ministering. They get tired of going to church. You know, some people get tired of, you know, their marriage. People get tired of going to school, going to work. You know, they get tired of their kids. But what made, but what made God weary? You know, we, we have to, you know, basically go back to the verse where it says, those that do evil is okay in the eyesight of the Lord. And I think that kind of angered him. Because we all know that, you know, in in the word, that God does not say that if you do wrong, that is okay in the eyesight of the Lord. You know, let's, let's just break this down because we as as people, you know, we say that it's okay, you know, that, that it's okay to do some things. And then sometimes we even add on, and I've, I've heard this several times where people say, well, it's in the Bible, or God says that. God does, does not co-sign on anything that is not of any good. If it's not of love and if it's not of, you know, a, a great need for, for you, you know, God does not co-sign on nonsense. God is not a God about chaos. God is not a God about nonsense. And so you had a lot of people co-sign and they, they like to say, hey, God said this, or it's in the Bible. You know, and and it's just to, you know, to back up the nonsense that they're, 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 they're spewing and the rhetoric that they're, you know, trying to pass on to other people. We have to realize that, you know, and we have to keep our eyes open because if you tell me something's in the Bible, where? Read it to me. Show me. That's the attitude that we have to have. Because God, like I said, does not co-sign on nonsense. He doesn't co-sign on chaos. But yet still people 
push it off, you know, trying to push it off to us as if it's right, as if it's if it's the truth. And I believe that's why God was wearied. And when you say wearied, you know, what does that mean? That means he's tired. And we all know that God has been tired of mankind and he's done some things. He flooded the earth. But he said, never again shall I flood the earth. And I figure that's probably one of those times where God says, you know, I'm I'm fed up. I'm not going to do anything drastic. And I think at the end of the 400 years, when he last spoke to Malachi, that he decided to send his son, Jesus Christ. And you figure, well, why did it take 400 years for him to decide to send his son? Well, God, you know, 400 years is just a blink of an eye. And you say if he was just so upset and he became weary, you know, why didn't he take any action? Well, if you think about it, he did. This was 400 years later. And, you know, and a lot of people will wonder, well, how is it so that the Bible, if it, you know, if it took, you know, the first generation from Genesis to Malachi to write, who was there to hang around for 400 years later to complete the whole verses? Well, you know, that's pretty simple. It's because through prophecy and through prophecies that everyone knew that the word and the gospel of God was going to come together. And, yes, people waited. And so, uh, you know, getting right back on track of, you know, where I was. Um, so, we, so we're going to and – and you'll say those words, because people say things often. We did those words. Why did it weary angry God? So we would have to go back and, and we have to go to verse uh, 11. And we can just go and then we can backtrack to where this frustration has, you know, has, has God, you know, where he just no longer wishes to speak to man. So we can go ahead and read. We want to read uh, chapter 2, verse 11. Judah has dealt treacherously. And an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. But Judah has stained the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. He has married the daughter of a foreign god. Wow. So right there, um, Judah, he married uh, someone, you know, that, and when when uh, we say foreign and you know a foreign god, that means she practices you know something that's that that is not of of your religion. And she was a daughter, basically. When we say foreign god, it, it, that means of, of of another religion, another belief. And on top of that, by her being, you know, the, the daughter of a foreign God, God does not know her. God knows Judah, but he doesn't know her. And so through God's eyesight, he just, you know, twisted the institute of marriage. 
you know, and through some reason or another, you know, Judah married this woman for either lust or other or other reasons where, you know, we come together in a marriage for, you know, and, and God just didn't like it. As a matter of fact, he called it treachery. He called it treachery. And the whole thing is, just like Judah, a lot of us treat our marriage, you know, like it's a car. You know, we, we you know, when we look at a car, you know, when we're looking at it, you know, we're looking at the tires, we're looking at the trunk space, we're looking, you know, we go through top to bottom uh, totally, you know, before we even buy it. We're we're in this car. We, we sit in the car. We test drive it. Just like it's you know, like you know, we're we're pretending that it's ours. You know, we're saying that okay, this is mine. You do every you know, you do everything to the car, but commit to buy. Well, that's the same thing we do with marriage. When we're with women, you know, we are doing everything that we would do as if we owned it. And the same thing we do with women before we get married, which is, you know, is wrong in the eyesight of God. That's the way we treat the institute of marriage. <clears throat> we're, you know, we're going through everything. We're, we're, you know, we're test driving. We're doing this. We're doing that. And that and that right there is what we do. You know, we twist what God has, has placed before us, you know, and that's how we treat marriage, like a car. You know, we treat marriage just like a car. When we go through that showroom, we see, we, we look through everything, top to bottom. You know, we're opening the, the, the hood, we're going through the trunk, driving around, and then come back. Sometimes we often say, hey, you know what, I don't want it. Or I want to try another car. And you wonder why, you know, uh, God really tr- trust and respect the institute of marriage, but when it is done in the wrong way, he's profoundly furious. You know, just like he looks highly on the institute of marriage. You know, and yet we take it as if it's a joke. You know, we're treated like we're buying a car. You know, I'll, you know, and you know, and some people say, oh well, you know it. You got to test drive it, you know. No, no, you don't. You trust the institute of marriage and, and how God presented it to us. You know, and and, and we can twist words and, and, and things. You know, people did it in the Bible, in the day of the Bible. They did it. Yes, they did. They also did it in sin. You know, we, we have to, you know, we have to be accountable for our actions. You know, the only way to be accountable is you just, you know, sit and you stand up today, right now, today, and you say, "I'm going to be accountable for my actions," and then you really, and, and then you really go ahead and you, you'll go through with it because it's just not right in the eyes of God. And the way we do things, and the way we twist words, the way we look at things, and the way we lie and say it's in the Bible, and we know it's not. We make up things as we go along. That's not the intention. That's not the intention of, of what the Bible is for and what we're for. So, you know, and, and as, we were, 
as we're reading, you know, just to go back just a little to before, you know, how he how he looked at it. He looked at it as, you know, he said Judah has dealt treachery. You know, he said an abomination has been committed. You know, and we have to, you know, understand, you know, God highly respects marriage. He highly he, he looks he looks upon he smiles on marriage. And I'm going to that later on. And um we're gonna go into verse twelve real quick. And in verse twelve it says, May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob the man who does this, being awoke and aware, yet whom brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. Wow. So, you know, and you know, as you know, when we go to our you know, to our sanctuaries and we, we go, we give our tithes, we give our offerings, you know, God's saying basically, I'm 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 aware of what you're doing. When you walk into this with your eyes open, but you come back into my house and you act like you act like you've done nothing wrong. You come bring your tithes offerings, you know, and you, you walk away without a conscience of what you've done. You're pretending as if as if you never you, you never did any sin. Like you you come here like you don't have to repent. You keep it moving. You just keep it moving. Wow. And you know, you think you wonder why why God is weary, why he is tired. He's tired. How many people do that? How many people do it? They commit sin. You know, and it's, and it's like you. You know, when, when someone steals from you, or someone does something, and then they just go about life like nothing ever happened, they never done anything to you, and they keep it moving. You know, like like everything's everything, or oh well, you know that's what I done. And you know, we have to we we truly have to understand that you know when when God you know thought of us, and when I say us, I'm talking about us individually. He thought about us individually when we were here. He had a purpose for each and every one of us. You know, just like, uh, you know, when you, you know, when you have a child, you have some kind of idea of, you know, what you think the child will be. Well, I think he'll be a lawyer. I think she'll be a doctor. And as they start growing, they start, you know, uh, finding their way, their way in life. And they may like basketball or they may like, you know, being a scientist, even though, that's not what you you know you thought they would be, but either way you you know you're you're basically happy that things are turning out good. But this is not the way God looks at us. God is the author and finisher. He knows where we should be, and where we shouldn't be. He gives us choices. Now the choices that we make and we fail to follow through on is where his frustration comes in. Whereas though with our children. We can guide their path, and ultimately they have the choice, you know, and they can make or steer their, their career in, you know, the way of their choosing. You know, with God, God steers us to the right the right path. 
and we ultimately have a choice. Whereas we're satisfied with our children, God is dissatisfied with us when we constantly make the wrong choice. Because don't forget, he set, he, he set the whole obstacle course up. And it's just we have to choose which way to go. And if we keep choosing to go the wrong way, and he's watching, you know, he's watching us as we go on, and he's, all, you know, all, and also at the same time, he's steering us. You know, he's steering us the right way, but we're still going the opposite way. You know, it's like watching someone keep going left, keep going left, keep going left, and never taking a right, you know, taking a right. And you say, well, you know what? I, you know, I'm, I'm through. I throw my hands up. I, I'm tired of watching, you know, that person, you know, constantly keep going, you know, the wrong way. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you. The, you know, the, the, the thing is where I read that, you know, you're, you're being awake and you're, you're, you're aware. And I'm, ta- I'm referring to back to the verse 12. Where you're awake and aware. Now, awake and aware, uh, that's, you know, man, that, is, that means you, you totally know what you're doing. That means that instead of choosing the, the path that God has, has sent for you, you're a know-it-all, and you're just going to do what you want to do. So you're just going to say, hey, you know what? I'm I'm blazing my own path this way. Uh, God, you know, I hear you, but you know what? Uh, I want to do this. And, you know, I, I I can't say that, you know, I would I know how God feels or I even have a sense or, 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 or you know, any inkling of his thinking. But, you know, from right – Right there, and me hearing that, you know, being awake, awoke, and aware, you know, that lets me know that that's like, you know, and I was wondering why the word, you know, he used the words before in the previous verses, verse eleven, where he said this, he has committed treachery, and so now I understand this is like blatant disrespect to or, or, or what God's word is, you know, in God's word, you know it. That that should be how we how we how we do things, how we treat things, you know. And it was like blatant disrespect by Judah to you know to marry the daughter of a foreign god, you know. This and so this basically means that this daughter of a foreign a foreign god is not known as God, basically is what it's saying, and you know so and. Then to, you know, just come in and, and, you know, just lay down an offering. You know, God is not moved by offerings. He isn't. And, you know, and on top of that, that's just like another sign of disrespect. It's like, okay, yeah, I, I went out and I did this and did that and I didn't do what I want to do. And so now I'm coming back in the house of the Lord here. Here's your offering. All right, goodbye. And I'll keep it pushing. And, you know, that's how a lot of us uh, see the sanctuary, where he feels though we come in every Sunday, you know, whether we come in late or we come in, we come in and fall asleep, you know, and say, well, at least I was there. You know, I, I did my time, and uh, now I'm back to back to, back to the usual, you know, let me uh, go out there in the corner drink my wine or let me go home and smoke my weed and or, or whatever it is, 
then you know we you know we go through the cycle, and then you know the next Sunday, and then we ask those that when we see a, a member, a church member, and they see us outside of the sanctuary, and we're doing things that we have no business doing, uh, we act shocked, or we act like, oh, this is the only time, or this is the first time I've done this. <laughs> And, you know, it's, it's it's kind of funny, but that's you know that that's the act that we put on, you know, when we you know we're caught, and you know like we're caught red-handed, and you know we're acting like you know oh we're innocent, you know we don't did we haven't done anything wrong, you know so yeah that that's um it's kind of funny that you know that's the reaction that we get from people when um you know we see them outside the sanctuary. And they're just right there, you know, they're doing their, their usual, is what I call it. They're doing their usual. And um, they just think that, you know, uh, like, you know, we, we're, we're dummies and we've never seen them. Like, they, you know, like, they just, just their first time and, oh, I was just trying this out or doing this. Or, you know, oh, I, I, you know, oh, I'm picking up these condoms for no reason. You know, or, you know, oh, oh, you you should have a pack of condoms with you at all times. You know, you get all kinds of reactions, all kinds of responses from people. And, it's, and like I said, it's funny how they think that we, you know, we don't know. Like, we haven't done things ourselves. You know, and, I, and I'm not saying this because, you know, you're Christians and that you know about things that you, you've done them. But, you know, we have family members and things like that to do all sorts of things, and we can pick up on it. And uh, let me just stay on track here, and let's go to um, we'll go to chapter thirteen, and and this is the second thing you do: you cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying, so He doesn't does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and your wife of your youth, whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. So, you know, and this is this is what he's saying, hey, this is this is the bed you made, lay down in it, you know. And this is you know and basically he's saying, hey, this is not right. But this is the you know, this is the problem. And you know what you know, what what transpired there was that, you know, it goes to tell us that we view, you know, view marriages not only as, you know, a, you know buying a new car, but we also view marriages as, as a contract, not a covenant. And, you know, it's a big difference. And, you know, and how I say we treat it like a contract is because, you know, now within a marriage, which, you know, we never heard of a prenuptial agreement, but now we got prenuptial agreement. Uh, premarital agreement have um, marital property assessment uh, things where it's like you leave the marriage for what you put in. So if you only put in a coffee table, you know you leave with a coffee table, you know nonsense like that. You know, and, and that's a a major major problem that I, I find. You know. And this is, you know, and the institute of marriage is a covenant, not a contract. You know, you know, and it's it's a sad, it's sad, it's a sad state where, you know, um, you know, some poor guy or some poor woman has to sign a prenuptial agreement, 
And the really reason why there's high penalties in marriage because the, the courts used to think highly of marriages, and they would, you know, they would try to make sure that you know people wouldn't basically, you know, what's happening now, which is get married and then eventually divorce. They would try to advise people, uh, you know, don't get married younger. Wait. Wait to you know later because there may be you know you may have problems or you may grow apart or you know you may have a difference of opinions and over time that difference of opinion may become a greater chasm in your marriage. But it's just that the fact that we're looking at the institute of marriage as a contract, not a covenant. Now with a contract. There are some things we can, you know, and, and you know, I'm, I'm quite sure that you're familiar with certain contracts and certain agreements, you know, like uh, say for, you know, your, your telephone service. You may have some people may have a contract and say, hey, we'll charge you X amount of dollars for X amount of time, and um, you know, if you, but if you break the contract, you know, you have to pay us the, you know, then you have to pay us the full amount of what you owe for our services. Well, you know. That's why, you know, and once you say, well, you know, you want to break the contract and say, hey, um, I'm a year into this contract. It's a two-year deal. Hey, uh, I mean, I'll break this contract, and you know, uh, but I don't want to pay you the rest of the money and things like that. And then you get into a negotiation, and they make a, they make a settlement. Well, that's what we're doing with marriages now. It sounds like it's a business deal. It sounds like a business deal that, you know, hey, at the end, um, you know, I want to walk away with as, as you know, and, and keep as much as I have, you know, re- regardless of, you know, the rules there as far as breaking this contract of marriage. But it's not a contract, it's a covenant. And what the, you know, what the courts don't say is that they view it themselves as a contract now. They don't say this is a covenant. This is something that we, we can't put apart. This is something between you and God, between you two and God. They're not saying, hey, we got, we have no right. And nor are they going to say, ever, that they have no right, you know, judging or making judgment for a divorce decree. So let's go on to, I'm going to go to chapter 15. Yep. Uh, wait a minute. Actually, we're going to 14. And I got 14. Yet you say, for what? Actually, that is. Yeah, this is 14. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you two and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Oh, wait a minute. I already read that. Okay, sorry about that. So we're going to go on to 15. Did he not make them, one, have any remnant of the spirit and the I, one, he seeks godly offspring? So... With that, um, 
he's basically, you know, basically, the, you know, the, the, the goal here for God is if he have a, you know, a covenant between two people and they are, you know, and, and they ultimately, you know, or they may, you know, have children, this is a good thing for him because now it's guaranteed if he has two people, you know, in Christ and they have an offspring, that offspring is going to be, you know, make, you know, it's going to be, it's going to come up and, and be a child of God and it's going to be also to learn the gospel and learn the gospel and ultimately, you know, spread, you know, spread his word. And so, yeah, he's happy that, you know, the can make one. And, excuse me. So, you know, basically he's, you know, he's saying that marriage is a, is a character builder. That it builds up your character. And how does it build up character? Because, you know, you have that is living as one. And there's usually some kind of compromise sometimes. There's usually, uh, you know, some kind of negotiation. It's basically give and take. You know, I sacrifice this, you sacrifice that, and, you know, so on and so on. You know, and um, I, I'll tell you, you know, being with my wife it definitely builds character for me, you know, um, and how I can prove it is because, uh, you know, I've there's been times, you know, when we are, you know, looking at TV, you know, and she's watching, you know, endless episodes of Greenleaf or, you know, uh, something like that, you know, and I know I'm sitting there saying, hey, I'd rather be watching Forensic Files or watching a football game. And, uh, you know, sometimes I ask her a stupid question, or are you still watching TV? You know, just to see if uh, she offers me a chance to ch- turn it to my channel or, you know, I can look for, you know, um, for her to say, hey, you know, I've been watching, you know, I've been watching 80 episodes of this uh, so far. Go ahead, you can uh, turn the TV. But, you know, and to her, in her mind, you know, and I, you know, give her credit, she thinks that I'm enjoying the same thing she's watching. But to me, it's like, you know, uh, TV shows she's watching, even though it's not, um, I probably call it the wrong show, but they all have the same plot episode, you know, guy meets girl, guy runs with girl, they're not supposed to be together, they're separated, and then they ultimately get back together, they get married or something, yada, 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 stuff like that, yep. So I do have character because I'm actually able to be patiently and not just say, hey, you watch 80 episodes of Greenleaf or whatever this stuff is. And uh, to me, it's all crap, you know, uh, or go watch that somewhere else or something like that. No, actually, I just I sit through and I just make sure that, you know, hey, um, that's what she wants to watch. And right now, she's watching it. And eventually, when I get my chance to turn the TV, I'll turn the TV. But I do, I, I do however, have the presence of mind to let her know, like, hey, it's 4 o'clock. You know the football game is on, or something like that, and you know, and I know uh, I've accused her of being um, a cowboy fan, but one thing she does like watching is the the Eagles when they come on, and she will definitely give that show a break. 
and she will definitely put on the Eagles. And, um, you know, and we're actually – and that's the one thing I, I can say that we do enjoy watching, you know, the game together. And uh, and like I said, it's, it's like one of those things where, though, you know, when we, you know, we get together and we, you know, we're together on something and, and we're enjoying it, you know, it's a lot of fun because, you know, uh, even though she totally doesn't understand the game of football and it's kind of fun because um, I find myself every week, you know, explaining to her, you know, why that's not allowed and this is not allowed. And it's it's funny that uh, she interprets the rules a little bit different when it comes to, you know, us having a football or our defenses on the field and they get called for a penalty. But yet when we do it, we get called for a penalty, you know, she gets upset and why they have to call it on us, you know. And uh, we're, we're approaching the, the uh, time for the call of salvation. So I'm going to just, you know, hurry up and um, – Let's get through a couple of things. So, yes, uh, marriage is a character builder, and God does both the character. Um, he likes the character, you know, between a man and a woman and how it grows and how ex- and how expediently it goes into praising him. So he's happy when, you know, two becomes one and they're praising him. Because, you know, and, and that's why he loves the institute of marriage. And that is that is what you know he is upset about when we defile the institute of marriage because he's upset because you know there's not supposed to be such thing as, as separation there's not supposed to be such thing as uh, you know uh, a, a divide a divorce you know he hates divorce and I, I'll cover that later but you know the goal is, for, is basically for us to have you know. Uh, ever-loving understanding of him and to, through, you know, for kids, bring them up in, you know, in his kingdom. Because guess what? You know, we, we need, you know, God needs citizens. He needs kingdom citizenship. And, you know, one of the best ways to do this is through the, through the marriage and through the children. And, you know, he's, you know, he, hey, and, and he's not, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that, you know, through all the congregation, you know, and all the Christians, um, there's going to be, there's going to be children. And they're going to have to be brought up in the word, you know, and, and that's, and that's what he loves. He loves, you know, he, he loves the, the growth of, of a marriage into a family and from a family, you know, onto more families. All right, and so real quickly, I'm going to go over to the uh, call of salvation that we're going to wrap things up. And the call of salvation is for those that want to introduce Christ into your life. And um, also, if you already have Christ in your life and you're, you know, backslidden and you think that you need a rededication, I think it's cool that, you know, you can just go ahead and um, that you can do that, you know, because God is the God of many chances where, you know, if you mess up, you know, ultimately you don't have to stay messed up. You always have an opportunity to bring him back into your life. And, you know, how, how you do it is pretty simple. You just be honest and you create an honest dialogue with him and say, Father God, I'm a sinner. I wish to repent my sins. And I wish that you wash myself anew into a new creature. Transform me. 
I accept your sacrifice that you gave, which is your son Jesus Christ on the cross. I thank you so much for sending him to save me and to wash me new of sin. I just thank you so much. And your ever presence with the light illuminate me. I just thank you so much. And you can say that or anything else in your words and you know, once you once you do that and once you repeat what you tell me, you're saved. You know, just let someone know. You can say, uh, I just turned my life over to Christ. You can call someone. You can call your mom. You can call your dad. You can call your sister, brother, a friend. You can FaceTime somebody, Facebook somebody, answer message them. You know, just let them know that you turned your life over to Christ, you know. And if you're really serious and compassionate about that, you know, you should, you know, uh, you should let someone know. And after you do that, you know, the next thing I suggest you do is that I know sanctuary is closed right now. There's a find Bible-believing teaching sanctuary that alerts you the world of Christ. You know, and if you can't find that sanctuary, uh, that's why we broadcast almost every night here from the Steel Network, where you can find a ministry. We have many ministries and um, many, many different uh, programming of ministries where you can just um, send away this, you know, here, here until you find that, you know, that church sanctuary where you can be comfortable. And uh, with that being said, I'm going to go into the announcements. This is a product purpose killing network, and I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us, whether you're joining us online or via phone. Uh, I thank you so much for your support and your listenership. If you want to contact us here via email, you can contact us at gmail.com. We can see your comments, questions, concerns. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and also on Facebook page where we invite you to like it, where you can uh, go ahead and uh, see some of our upcoming shows and advertisements. And you simply just go to Purpose Kingdom on Facebook and like it. And that way you can enjoy the content that we have there on Purpose Kingdom. Um we're broadcasting on www.blogtalkradio.com backslash Purpose Kingdom. Anytime you want to hear any past and previous shows, you can just simply type in the host name or the show name, and you can hear that show in its entirety and its convenience. And don't forget to share with a family member. We thank you so much. And um, with God's will and God's blessing, we hope you join us tomorrow evening at the 9 p.m. hour for Prophecy and Vision, hosted by Sister Antonia Bax. And once again, guys, one last lesson. We'll be joining us tomorrow evening at the 9 p.m. hour for Peripheral Visions, hosted by Sister Antonia Batts. And don't forget the time difference. It's going to be 9 o'clock tomorrow, so uh, don't forget to tell a friend or a family member. Uh, also, uh, we do know we have been experiencing trouble with our 319-527-6091 numbers, where our listeners are getting an uh, automated message saying they can be charged one cent a minute. If this charge is true, we're not sure if it's going to actually if they're actually charging customers. Uh, some people say they say it, but they don't charge them. I know it's uncomfortable for some of our listeners to call in and not to be discouraged. Just let you know that we have an option for you, which is to go to Google Google Play or the Apple Store, and you can download Talkatone, which is a free internet telephone service where you you can uh, use it. You can call nationwide without any charges, and there's no additional charge to download the app. So you can go ahead and uh, 
use that option if you wish. And don't forget, it's called Talk at Home, and it's in the Google Play or the Apple Store. Where you can just download it for free, and you can use that app to make telephone calls. And I think the only thing you need is a internet service. So uh, there you have it, and that is going to be the end of the announcement. And I'm going to um, go ahead and return to our program. And uh, basically, uh, we'll be, we can go back to where we left off at. Is, um, in the last part, I was saying that God uh, loves character. Uh, he loves the, the interaction with, you know, uh, with the Institute of Marriage, whereas, uh, you know, uh, you know, we we basically we're we're um we're continuing on, you know, with you know our offspring into introducing you know new citizens of of the kingdom. All right, and so we're going to go um to chapter sixteen, and we're going to read from there. For the Lord of Israel says that he hates divorce. For it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. And wow, he, uh, you know, not many times do you hear the word hate, but he basically hates the wolves. You know, uh, it, it, it says it right there. For, you know, you know, and and basically it says therefore take care of your spirit that you do not de- do not deal treacherously. Wow. And you know we're we're you know, we're we're back you know um, right to where I said I wondered you know what you know what made him silent and what you know and maybe perhaps angered him. And, you know, he says it right there, you know, take heed, you know, to your spirit, you know. And that that means a lot, you know, taking heed. You know, that, you know, you really have to, you know, in a sense, you know, become accountable, you know, of, you know, the indifference in your spirit. And, you know, there's nothing... There's no sort of thing as saying halfway halfway doing things. You know, so the Institute of Marriage, you know, he, he takes it seriously. And, and, he, and he says, you know, he's divorced. You know, and he says, why get together? Why use this institute that I I hold, uphold highly and, you know, and holy, and you just take it for a joke? You know, you you've angered me. You know, you, you've angered me because what you did was you, you twisted things, and I'm upset. And this is where, you know, we, we go back to uh, verse 17, which we read earlier. You know, you have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet you say, and in, in what we have wearied him, and that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. And he delights in them. Where is the God of justice? To say, um, 
in light of everything, it was just disrespectful from the way he had he he had addressed the Lord and said, "He who does e- he who does evil is good in the eyesight of the Lord." And you know, sometimes, you know, when people say, you know, um, you know, if I'm lying or if I say something, may God strike me down. That's one of those God strike me down moments where you just want to, you better stand away from him because, you know, wow. I mean, and, and just to be bold with it. And that is, you know, you know, unfortunately, this is, you know, where I stop at, at, at the message, but, you know, this is the Bible because that's the last verse in that chapter. This is chapter two. And it goes to show you that, you know, no matter how much, you know, God seems to, to you know, back up a retreat and give us leeway, we always seem to, we always seem to always want to push the limit. And, you know, I know if that was, you know, um, an elder or someone and you were talking to him like that, uh, you should immediately be getting back, backhand or something. Because that was, you know, it's like the way in the tone that it was, was said, it was like totally, you know, outlandish. Totally uncalled for. Because now you're talking to the Lord, you're telling him what he says and how he sees things, and then you tell him in a twisted way what you're saying that, okay, yeah, I thought you said this, or I thought you, no, it's, it's no, it's no new thought. Or I don't, you know, at that point, I don't care what you think because you now you're way off bases, you're disrespectful, and you know, now I feel as though I have to deal with you. And as we, we learn later in the later chapters of, of uh, Malachi, that he does deal with him. And, you know, that would probably uh, probably be another story or another uh, episode at another time. But right now, uh, we're, we're going to go ahead and close. And um, I hope that you understand that in this, this, this very episode that I was going through, is basically explaining how we view marriage and how we fall off base. That we need to, if we don't have it right, we need to get it right. Because this is something serious, and this is, and just as well as as God has been angered, you know, we can anger God. And if you look at this, this day and time, what's going on, and how we treat things and how we're doing things, you know, we're 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 pretty much upset him again. It's the way we do things and how the way we treat things, and we actually really need to you know sit back and and just you know reflect and, and take a look and see if we actually are doing the right things, not that something that we interpreted or something that we think is something that you have to know and make sure that you do know, because this is uh this is real, folks. You know we got to get it right. And um, as always, you know, I like broadcasting. Um, I'm actually standing in for um, Reverend Lee, uh, elderly and Reverend Lee for the turning point. Um, hope, uh, you know, uh, you know, whatever's going on, that they can uh, make it back into the ministry. You know, uh, hope that, uh, that the Lord keeps them. And, you know, we, we keep them in, and, you know, keep them in the Lord's prayer. Uh, we just say your prayers, and uh, we just pray for the Lee family. Uh, and also, uh, 
just want to let everybody know I like doing this. This is fun. Uh, so I had no problem going in and, uh, you know, just giving a, a good word of encouragement, a uh, good word of knowledge to everybody. Uh, man, I can't imagine doing anything else, you know, tonight, but they're doing this. So this is this is fun, and I'm enjoying myself. Um, so, you know, uh, I'll be back on next Saturday, the program. And uh, don't forget, tomorrow we have uh, Peripheral Visions with uh, Sister Antonia Batts. Uh, don't forget, uh, it's going to be at 9 p.m. All right, with that being said, um, I'm having fun as usual. I just want to leave you with this uh, one piece of advice. Make sure you love yourself because if you don't love yourself, you're not going to have any room to love anybody else. Uh, with that being said, I am out of here. Peace. Jesus led. He raised me. I will not lose. He saved me. I will not lose. Set me free. I will not lose. Never want to see me down. I will not lose.